Good evening and welcome to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I am your host, Charlene Pickram, and you're listening to CIOE 97.5 FM. And this evening we have Steve Craig, who is District 15 Councillor for Lower Sackville with us. Um, he's also the Commissioner and Chair Board of the Police Commissioners, and he is our former Deputy Mayor. Um, so welcome, Steve. Well, thank you, Charlene. Pleasure to be here this evening with you and Jim and others at CIOE, and uh, looking forward to the next little while. Excellent. So in regards to Lower Sackville and our mental health resources, what is available to citizens here in Lower Sackville when they're experiencing mental health concerns? Well, we've got a whole range of mental health concerns, of course, in our community. We do have... Uh, Obviously, in times of crisis, the mental health uh, mobile crisis team, that, that number can be called. You can call 911 and the RCMP will be involved. We've got uh, the IWK Mental Health here at the uh, Cobbequick Community Health Center, and they provide a fantastic resource as well. And then we have uh, Schools Plus programs. We have guidance in different schools. We have a number of people who are, who are absolutely concerned about people's mental health and well-being. There are a lot of resources around in HRM, and HRM makes up half the province. So when to say that we have specific mental health resources is um, we share them with all, and, yeah. and that's the way it is here. We are not a large province. We're not a large community, relatively speaking, to have a number of resources dedicated just to one particular community. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So do you think that because we have the Cobbacood Center here, located in Lower Sackville, that individuals have a greater awareness and availability to services? Well, certainly they do from a health-related perspective, the physical health, when it comes to emergencies, blood tests, x-rays, those types of things, mm -hmm. rehabilitation, cancer clinic. Yes, I think we have uh, good knowledge of that. I'm not so sure, though, and not convinced that people understand what's available from a mental health point of view. Yeah. Quite often I'll hear, there's nothing available, or what do I do now? Or my child is being bullied in school, what do I do there? They're not sleeping well. Or I've got a spouse who is not well and I don't know where to go get help. Mm -hmm. Those types of things and what is available there is uh, is not well known in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that because you came to Lower Sackville in 1971, obviously before the Cobbacud was here. I've been here, well, since I was born in 1972. Um, and I am learning so much about the resources through this show um, that I was not aware of. And my mother comes from, you know, mental health background. She worked at the Nova Scotia Hospital. Um, and I was aware of some resources, but the amount of resources that are available for mental health here in Sackville are, in my opinion, um, really quite, uh, in my mind, again, um, we have more than most. Well, I think that might be part of um, the concentration through the Cobquick Community Health Centre, for example. And you tend to, when you have a facility like that, have a cluster of resources that move around a, a facility like that. We do have, though, a number of other organizations that are around that, when you take a look at the Sackville area, we have perhaps the highest per capita of, of church groups around here yes. who are very concerned, uh, forgetting about the religious side of it, but with people generally and their mental health and capacity. We have growing senior population. We have groups that are there. We have seniors who are lonely. We have seniors who are looking to be involved or don't know what to do. They may have lost a spouse or partner mm -hmm. and then and have become empty nesters. Loneliness is quite an impact on one's mental health. Yeah, it's actually in regards to the elder population, it is the number one mental health concern right now is that isolation and loneliness. Um, and so I had somebody come in to do animal therapy mm. and just the absolute benefits for elders to have an animal in their life to get them up in the morning, to go for a walk, to give them a little love. Absolutely. And uh, people like to, most people, most people do like uh, contact with others. Yes. And uh, we're social animals. We like to know that we're 
perhaps appreciated or loved in, in particular. And we know when we are and we know when we're not. And we know when we are not being paid attention to, whether that's through isolation or through just not being talked with. Every Sunday morning, I go up to the Sagewood, uh, the community I was going to say nursing home, but they're no longer nursing homes. But Sagewood is uh, just on the Cobbquid Road. Mm -hmm. And my mother was one of the first residents up there, and she passed away in 2014 or so. But I still go there every Sunday morning and take up coffee and donuts, and we have a chat, what happened last week, what's going on. And uh, there are a number of people who have dementia, and yes. as you get into that, you, you don't really remember that you're lonely. However, it is, it is a, a feeling of... A feeling of empathy that a number of us have when we take a look at people in those circumstances. So mental health, isolation, mental health diagnosis even has come you know, since the 70s, Yeah, yeah. for example. It's come a long way. I, I remember one time I was, at, uh, I was on the board of Canadian Cancer Society National Board for a number of years, and we had research scientists, uh, doctors, and, and what have you who would come and we'd meet and you'd do research grants and mm -hmm. there'd be panels to decide where the money's going. And at one of the dinners, I was talking about uh, mental health issues and uh, relate a couple of things that I've observed over the years. And one of the GPs from Montreal talked to this uh, psychiatric, uh, pedi pediatric psychologist, oncologist. <laughs> yeah, There's quite, a mouthful. There is yeah. a mouthful. <laughs> Uh, so quite learned people, and uh, and one doctor was saying to the other, how come we have all this overabundance now of, of people who have mental health issues and that? And his response was, no, they've always been here. Yeah. They've always been here. We now, though, put labels on them. Yeah. We have we have tests. We have spectrums of autism. We have social conduct disorders. We have oppositional defiance, and we have the the basic, biggest, perhaps ADHD. Mm -hmm. We have all these things now that we've put labels on. And in the past, we used to look at you know, the clown in the class. Yes. Stevie always got in trouble. <laughs> all right. This one came with that. Uh, always getting into fights. Never learning what was on the paper. Never wanting to participate. Yeah. And now we have a lot of labels around that, and we recognize a lot more, both the social and you know, the, the, the impacts of family life, the, mm -hmm. the impacts of your community life and others. And in particular now with social media, that instantaneous response to whatever is on your yeah. mind. People jump in. So people like the... the to and fro, the fast food, if you will, of um, <laughs> of today's life. However, we as human beings, I don't believe, are structured to accept that if we don't have a number of tools at our disposal that we can take care of mm -hmm. and cope with. Well, it happens so fast, so we haven't been able to uh, adjust to the new social changes that this technology has brought on. So we haven't learned the strategies to cope and be resilient with what we're being faced with over and over and over. And it's unfortunately a lot of times negative. Oh, absolutely. Negative and about our social status. So if we don't have a hundred likes in one day, then we feel that you know, we are not appreciated and we are not loved. And uh, people don't understand as well that the social impact has to be face-to-face. -face. We don't get benefits from having social engagement on a laptop or a computer. That, there's no psychological benefit there. But we do know that every time your phone bings, that it, it sends off this dopamine in our brain that becomes addictive. So we're looking for the ding, ding, ding from our phone all day because it is reinforced by the dopamine in our brains. It, it's very interesting. Communication is so important. And uh, you talked about the using a device as a communication vehicle. Mm -hmm. People out there right now can't see you and me. So communication, we have our words. Now, 
you're professional enough that you're using inflection in your voice, the up and down levels, and, and this is what those changes keep people's interest exactly. rather than a monotone. And looking into your eyes and we're shaking and we're doing this and giving visual cues as yeah. to what we're talking about, that reinforces that. When you have a text of 140 characters, 180 perhaps it is now, what do you get from that? What can you communicate? Well, you can't communicate anything, really. No. What you can do is just put a short snapper out there. And yeah. what does it mean? There's no context. Nope. None at all. So communication is so, so important to understand both your audience, the person you're talking with, and your impact and the way you say things or don't say things that triggers, such as a device would trigger, uh, trigger with a, a bing, bing, bing. Yeah. You can use words, inflection, and just... Anything else that your body can do to trigger a response in somebody. Yeah. And that self-awareness is so important when it comes to communication. Yeah. And so, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is kind of my um, niche in regards to what I do is that I meet everybody face to face. I don't use a phone when I'm doing my coaching because communication is decreased. I think it's 86% of our communication is nonverbal. So just like you were saying, our tone, our cadence, our inflection, our body, all that stuff. And you're not getting any of that via the computer. No. Um, and so communication um, is decreased by 90% when we're texting. And hence, there are so many problems. There's so many problems. You were right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think about when I work with a business, I'll say, get up and go downstairs and talk to them. Don't send them that text message. It's inter interesting, too, that you should say that. When I was working, some people would say I'm still working, but I retired in 2004, had 30 years with the phone company. And I would often put in my calendar... And especially when it got to be technical and put in my calendar for the day, to take a break. Yeah. And the break was to go downstairs into the mezzanine area or the uh, cafeteria area of the Maritime Center mm -hmm. and meet somebody. I didn't know who, but it was the opportunity to be face-to-face -face and chat. That is so important yeah. to be able to get up and meet people because you can stand behind uh, at your desk, at your job, do anything you want. However, you're not getting out and getting that communication and that, that valuable human interaction mm -hmm. that's so, so important. Yeah, yeah. And so when we come back from this break, we'll talk more about, because you're talking about social-emotional intelligence and how do we develop that as individuals. And that's one of the things that is really missing in society right now because we're not engaging with individuals. We're using our laptops and computers and phones. So we're not developing social emotional intelligence. And then we get together with people and we don't know how to behave. So when we come back, we'll talk further about that. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I am your host, Charlene Pickram, and this is CIOE 97.5 FM. Good evening. Welcome back. This is Charlene Pickram of Mental Health. Let's talk about it. We have Steve Craig in the studio this evening, and we are talking about mental health, obviously. And just before we went on the break, we uh, started to discuss social and emotional intelligence. And uh, so how have you found that you have developed your social emotional intelligence and what has influenced that over the years? What a question. What a great, great question. Over the years, I think uh, one of the things when in my early upbringing, I was the kid that always would go and take on the bullies. And mom would often say that I was the one, or she was the one that would only see me cry mm -hmm. because I go home. Nobody would ever see me cry. I wouldn't, wouldn't do that. And I had that, um, that upbringing where you helped, if you will, those who are less fortunate. Mom was one of the founders of Beacon House, which uh, many people in the community would know, and uh, very involved in church and, and helping, and she, she worked in group homes uh, for those with mental um, difficulties. And what I found, though, over the years, especially when I got into my work life, early, early career, uh, 
in the in the seventies, and that was that I didn't have the skills to engage people in a certain way. I I had my set ways. I was if uh, if I thought that you didn't quite have it and up to my standard, whatever that was, mm-hmm. I had no difficulty telling you that, and I did not suffer fools well. So what, you might say. Well, the so what of that is that that doesn't help build good relationships, working constructive relationships. Mm-hmm. And although I had empathy for others, I didn't really come across that way in my communication style. I began to study it. I began to study what what is it that will trigger somebody else's reaction. Am I contributing to how people are responding to me by my words and by my deeds and those types of things? And, and uh, yeah, I found that to be the case. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, over many, many years, probably 40, 50 years close to now, I listen more. I, I take time. Right? Nothing is... Um, fast food here, nothing is responding to a, a tweet quick. Relationships and good communication, meaningful communication takes time and effort. Mm-hmm. To do that, what I found is I'll often ask perhaps an open-ended question. So to give the person a chance to respond on their own terms and probably reflect how their day is going. You can often, too, get a, a sense of whether the issue at hand is really what's being communicated or if it's some hurt. Uh, maybe there's been some turmoil in the family, mm-hmm. uh, either with grandparents, elderly grandparents, or whether it's with um, grandchildren or children or, or partnerships, relationships, because we're all impacted by what goes on in our lives. Exactly, yeah. And that's that's usually what it is. And and so I've developed over the years a number of trips and ticks uh, that uh, you might say. So one of the things I often ask myself is, does it have to be said? Mm-hmm. Does it have to be said now? Yeah. And does it have to be said by me? So quite often, uh, let's say in, uh, in council work, number of elected officials will bring up something and I don't repeat it. Um, if it was going to be said, then I don't have to punctuate it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to take up space and, and air, if you will. Also, too, quite often you find that when you open up the conversation and you listen and you, you actively listen so that you seek to understand what's really going on, the conversation may go way beyond what you ever thought it would. Yes. And that's a good thing, mm-hmm. usually for the person you're, you're working with. When you do that, you, you contribute, I think, to the person's day in a positive way. People sometimes have very difficult conversations if you open up and you listen where you can actually help somebody and make their day. And even if at not that point, what you do is develop a way that people will, because you've shown them respect, will respect you. So, so I, I'd like to think that for most people, you have a personal brand. Mm-hmm. And if that personal brand is one of being respectful, responsible, insightful, empathetic, understanding and providing time Mm -hmm. for another individual, that is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, in my language, you're talking about your legend. This is what you have created by engaging with individuals, meeting them where they're at, because initially, you know, when you you first started, you know, expressing what you were saying there, you were saying you weren't meeting people where they're at. But I was you, meeting them where I was at. You were meeting them exactly where you were at. And then you realize that, ah, if I question them, and I love you said open-ended question, so integral to getting somebody to feel that they have a voice and to recognize that sometimes when they come to you and they're really agitated, 
that that agitation usually stems from something else and it really has nothing to do with you. And so if you're willing to take that time to first just sit back, realize where that person's at, ask a question for clarity, get them to talk, they'll realize that you're showing them some empathy and understanding. And then as they calm down and you guys can meet together, um, that's when the actual real communication and problem solving starts to take place. Quite often you go through, uh, I'll call it a, my background is engineering, but a sine wave. So, so, so you go up and down. So I say you go up on the emotional side uh, and, and talking with people and checking in on emotions, what's really going on and and behind this, and then you then you dip down into the business at hand, mm-hmm. and quite often that that goes on and on and on. So what we're talking about can take minutes, it can take days, it can take many many times to just establish that trust and get that communication open, and that takes yeah. investment in learning uh, what your skills are, and it also takes, I think, again the just wanting to make things easier rather than tougher, knowing full well that you can't make everything perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And you can't do it all. What you can do, though, is at least show that you're open. We have a number of issues in our society today when it comes to homophobia, when it comes to gender equality, when it comes to race, when it comes to religion and those types of things. Mm -hmm. We have all of that here. And uh, it's becoming even more and more prominent now in the last year, especially with social media and Me Too movement. And, and it's just something that we all have to be aware of. We've got the indigenous population. I get um, It's very interesting in the role as a counselor and sitting on this council, a number of the decisions that council, not all unanimous, have made that uh, looking at uh, – so, so I'm chair of the Board of Police Commissioners. Mm-hmm. And we have street checks and the – disproportionate number of black people who are checked. So we're looking at that and working with the Human Rights Commission. To to say that I as a, um, for those of you who cannot see me right now, uh, (laughs) I'm an old white guy with a beard and I'm a Christian and uh, not everybody's uh, the same as me. Yeah. All right. Charlene is a white woman who has her experiences. I have no idea what it's like to be that. However, what you can do is engage each other to understand both perspectives and to work forward to to making things better. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that everything that's been done in the past that has led us to this point is not of our doing. Yeah. What is of our doing is the present now and moving into the future. And when you want to make a difference and you want to make life easier, even though some of these conversations and communications can be extremely difficult. Yeah. The, the desire to go forward and to make improvements is really on your shoulders because there's no they. It's me and you. It's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And the one-on-one is, my, my true belief is the one-on-one is really observed by others. Yes. When we have an interaction or a communication, whether it's in a work environment, in a community environment, no matter where, People see you. They understand that something's going on. Mm-hmm. And by the words, the volume of the words, the, the body language, people know whether something is okay or not okay. Yeah. And people typically will look at the not okay. A number of people, though, do look at the okay and say, oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. And, and it's so important to, in, in any relationship, whether it's one-on-one or a broader community relationship, to be consistent. Yes. And that consistency carries forward. So what can we do to improve things is look in the mirror and ask yourself that question. Am I, am I helping or am I hurting? And if, and if I'm hurting, then figuring out ways to help. Yeah. If, if I don't know, then ask others, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I okay? Uh, do I do I contribute positively? I had uh, <laughs> early on when uh, when I was elected, I went into the human resources department, 
and they were all surprised. The director was extremely surprised. I was the only elected official who ever went in there. Went in there, sat with her, uh, and uh, closed the door. We chatted, and I asked her, and I said, I'd like to ask you to give me feedback on any of my behavior. Beautiful. On any of my behavior that um, I can improve on. Yep. And she she accepted. Mm-hmm. I said, I give you absolute permission. If, if Understanding there's a balance here between elected official and the bureaucrats. And, and sometimes I look at it as we are all here for the people and we're all doing the work for the people. And we're a team. Yeah. You've got a career. I've got a limited time. And I come and go and politicians come and go. And that's great. However, this politician wants to be able to, to help. Mm-hmm. And also, I want you to help me. Yes, to, a win-win. Win-win. And it was interesting the other day, I was talking with her again. There was a presentation for the Board of Police Commissioners that um, she had helped with on a human resources issue. And I, and she didn't have to be there. The CAO was going to be there. And I just said, you know, she said, I don't have to be there. I said, no, but you're welcome at any time. And she said, Councillor Craig, uh, your inclusion is always noted. Yeah. Yeah. So those types of things, to, to take advantage, to understand yourself, the impact that your words, actions have on others as, uh, as individuals, mm-hmm. as an organization, as a community is quite important. So that self-awareness is important. Are you, are you helping or are you hurting? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about role modeling. How essential is that? And as a society, particularly not just within your familiar, um, you know, at home, but how are you out in the community engaging with other people um, is so important. And like you said, the self-awareness piece, why not utilize your engagement with others as a way to learn about self? and grow as an individual because as we learn about self, we have the ability to change and the only person we can change is ourselves. And as we change self, we impact the greater community. And so one person at a time, we can make that change. We talked about truth and reconciliation and uh, the UN Declaration Against people of African descent, and we've had many conversations, I've had many conversations with people. Can we come back to that after our break? Absolutely. Excellent. So you're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm your host, Charlene Pickram, and we'll be back in a moment to continue this great conversation. Good evening and welcome back to CIOE 97.5 FM. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. And we have Steve Craig in the studio this evening. And we've been talking about, of course, mental health. But uh, as we know, the spectrum is very large. And so we talked a little about communication, social emotional intelligence. And uh, just during the break there, we were talking about society and our kind of reactive versus proactive interventions when it comes to mental health and what's happening in our community at the moment. And um, so, Steve, what, what, do you, what do you think? What do we have currently that is a proactive intervention? And then what are some of the things that you find are reactive? So we're responding to an issue when technically we probably could intervene at an earlier time, but we haven't yet. Wow. So we've, we've got, again, anything we talk about, there's a spectrum. So it's nice. a, it's a yep. wide, wide-ranging topic um, from the being reactive. Let's say, there's a, let's say there's been a suicide in the community, and there have been a number. How does that impact others? How, how do people react to that? You have those who are grieving or didn't see it coming, had no idea. And then there are some people who are closer who would have seen some uh, anxiety, some symptoms, some hopelessness expressed by an individual mm-hmm. and either took it upon themselves to talk and be engaged uh, with the individual and usually 
if there's a suicide, um, people don't commit suicide with an audience, if you will. So no. if they have somebody with them, that, that helps. And, and often it's one of, of timing and, and, and duration and a sense of hopelessness that leads somebody there. And it, and it doesn't have to be a mental health issue. No. Suicide is right. not a mental health issue. If, no. if I have a family breakdown, if I've lost somebody, if I have financial problems that seem as though nothing else is going to solve this and I, there is no way out of this and I think that the only option is to take my life. That, yeah. That's very unfortunate. So we need people who can intervene in that and talk to people mm -hmm. and also to look for help. And when somebody approaches you, with something, please take the time to listen and understand what's being said and communicate it. And that is a time when you as an individual will make a difference, can make a difference. I've had a number of people say, you know what, if only I had, mm. if only I'd done this. And then you beat yourself up. Yeah. Even though it wasn't you that uh, caused the incident, you may have been able to avoid it. And, and help somebody there. The the proactiveness would be that, but we also have the the ability to in the school systems and the community provide programs, uh, provide safe places yeah. where people can go. I think of uh, uh, Aaron Jay, who is um, down in Cape and Cow. He provides a safe place there for people. Yes, he does. He yeah, does. he's Absolutely. fantastic. And and you're welcome to go in there and be safe, uh, take some time, think, play games, whatever. The library is The well. library has an absolute wonderful staff down there, and they provide, for those of you of an older age, the library ain't what it used to be. <laughs> the library is a gathering of people interacting and enjoying themselves uh, yeah. So to the point where you've got that social engagement. Again, it's sense of community. It's being with others. And in being with others, you have the opportunity to talk about issues at hand, issues that are bothering you. Being able to feel as though you're able to open up and ask for help mm -hmm. or having the person you're talking with provide a support system. Yes. If they are cognizant enough to understand that this is what's going on. I had uh, uh, through, through somebody... There was a, a girl that wanted to commit suicide and had uh, indicated that they were going to do so, and the police were involved, and uh, things were okay, and and the person was bragging about this episode. That, mm -hmm. that, that is absolutely sad. We have a case where if you are... Um, yeah, I'm not going to dwell on suicide. I'm going to move on to something mm -hmm. else. Yeah. So, so we've got uh, a vision now in Sackville of having a collaborative effort between uh, the Boys and Girls Club, uh, YMCA, Halifax Regional Municipality, Langhouse, and other community groups uh, are interested in putting together a wraparound model, if you will, to help our youth in this community at the just below the Sackville Library at the Acadia building. Yeah. And uh, that uh, we are going to try. And, and the vision for that or the thought for that came to me because I was on the board of directors of the Cobbequid Multi Service Center, the precursor, predecessor of uh, the Cobbequid Community Health. Yeah. And that collaborative model to bring together laboratory services, imaging, um, blood services, emergency, mental health, and those types of things was really not about the building so much as to bring people to a point where they can have uh, complete services. Mm -hmm. So if we can do that in around youth and have a youth-centric focus, yeah. then things will come up, whether it's uh, teen health issues, whether it's uh, mental health issues, whether it's uh, education, sexuality, all of those. Yeah. All of those things, we're hoping that we have in this trial project a an opportunity to see if we can work as a community rather than in isolation. And there are a lot of good groups out there that do very good group in isolation of each other. Mm. However, what we don't have is the recognition 
or perhaps we do, but a means to say, well, if, if there's this youth here today at school and they're having difficulty, that difficulty in behavior perhaps doesn't stop when they leave the school. Yeah. It continues into the community, and then it continues home, mm-hmm. and then overnight at home, and then in the morning, and, and it just keeps going. So what's constant in anyone's life is from their perspective, not yes. from those things that are around them. That's right. And we need to be proactive in understanding that. So and you can always say the problem's going by here, okay, is that individual passes you by and moves on to the next individual. Mm-hmm. What we need is a continuity, though, to to wrap ourselves around an individual. And people will say it takes a, um, a village to... Raise a child. There you go. Yeah. And it, and it truly does. And we've lost a little bit of that with technology. Because what we have now, in my opinion, again, is we have children raising children. Yeah. And that is not good. We have, uh, we have adults, God love them, who are deeply ingrained and, and invested in their children. They have different circumstances. We have grandparents who are raising children. We have so many things out there that in today's society... We need to really focus on, but again, a lot of people are struggling with jobs, they're struggling with rent, they're struggling with food security, and those types of things. There are a lot of stresses on our lives. Mm -hmm. However, if we can focus on each other and make the best of what we have, that's a good thing. So it's an attitudinal thing. It is attitude. Yeah, there's the fixed mindset and there's the forward mindset. Very much so. So with, with the attitude... Great. So I've got a positive attitude. I've got a can-do attitude. Now, now I have to bring into that. What, what's, what, what are my abilities? Yeah. And if I don't have the abilities, how do I get those abilities, either personally or through other groups yeah. or other individuals? And you bring in and build a team, if you will. In this particular case, for the youth center, we're looking at building a team with different abilities, and they all should have the same attitude. Focus on. The individual. Same vision. Same vision. Focus on that. So now we've got the ability, making sure that it's not a title and it's not a, uh, a role, but we also have to have people who are competent in their mm-hmm. abilities because we can have anybody sit and occupy a chair. Yes. Yes, we can. But we need. <laughs> we, we absolutely need those who are competent and compassionate in this particular case. Yeah. And then... <coughs> And then they have to have, beyond the attitude and the ability, they need to take action. Mm-hmm. So now they have to perform. Yeah. All right. Saying you've got the stuff, and if you're just sitting on the bench doing nothing, then you're of no value. Absolutely yeah. none. When we take a look at uh, reactive, usually it's in a time of crisis. There are different skill sets required for a time of crisis. Yes. Then there are. To be decision proactive. Decision makers who can make a decision, who can access, who can advocate, who know exactly what services are out there. That Because I think that's one of the big problems, Steve, is that there are so many resources that are within their own silos. Because we don't have that community care or that patient-centered care, that we lose sight. There's a step that gets missed. And then the person falls through the crack. What you, then That's true, very true. And unless, let's say, a family member has the wherewithal to be that advocate and that continuity through everything, we can have somebody who is, let's say, four years old, goes through IWK mental health and diagnosed, and then family situations change. They move from place to place, school to school. They have difficulty in school as they get older and... Uh, and you, you look for resources, then they get in trouble with the law, perhaps, and they say inappropriate things, and it's mistaken this one way, when really, uh, perhaps, that they are afraid to be in groups, and uh, their way of coping is not to withdraw, but it is to become aggressive. Yeah. And uh, so you've got that fear and that post-traumatic stress, perhaps, of something that happened earlier in their life. So, But who follows that, other than the individual? Uh, so you need to have somebody who's going to go through those silos, when you go into school, you may have guidance counselors, you may have uh, 
uh, learning center. You may have other support groups. Uh, when you go into the community, you could have your libraries, you could have your sports, you could have whatever. And even in the family situation, we, you have, uh, let's say, single-parent families. Mm-hmm. And uh, parental alienation is one of those key things where, let's say, two partners split and then there's animosity and they hold the children hostage oh, yeah, from the other. For their, yes. Terrible, terrible things. So yeah. what can we do to be proactive there is to understand what role we play. It comes down, it always, in my view, comes down to me. Mm-hmm. What part do I have to play here? And how can you advocate? What are your strengths that will allow you to advocate on behalf of other people? And that's a, the self-awareness piece. Again, where where's your best fit in society? Where will you benefit society and yourself? Because I believe it should always be a win-win. You're fulfilling your needs. They're your strengths. But in the in the process of, it's a win-win because you're helping others. Therefore, you're helping your community. And, and I find that's one thing, Steve, that you're really um, good at role modeling, but implementing and asking of the constituents is, you know, it's great to know what the problems are, but please come with some ideas for solutions. <laughs> That's good. When I was first elected, I used to get calls about um, whatever the issue was. And they'd say, oh, staff should have done something or you should do something. I said, whoa, 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 my, my job, my job is not to do what staff do. Yeah. My job is to hold staff accountable, and your job is to hold me accountable. But guess what? There's three groups here. There's the bureaucracy, there's mm-hmm. the elected official, and there's you, the citizen. You have a responsibility as well, and I will hold you accountable. Absolutely. You want to hold yeah. me accountable? I'm holding you accountable, and I'm holding the bureaucracy accountable. We are all accountable, and we need mm-hmm. to work collaboratively together. So we do that. When it comes down, going back for a second, though, to doing what we can as part of the team and that that continuum across an individual's life. We need to understand what role we play in that silo, if you will. Mm -hmm. There also has to be, though, good communication across the silos. And that's so important. I've seen it time and time again where families will go through one service or another and another, and they're consistently being asked the same questions. People haven't had time to pick up the file. Uh, In the professional services, they have uh, not had communication. And uh, the family is going, here we go again. What, you know, I've gone through this for a decade. What what is it that I can do to continue this? And and you talked, I think, about uh, earlier, you alluded to companion stress or companion oh the caregiver. animal therapy no, care, oh care, yeah the care, care, caregivers caregiver. themselves yes and so caregivers become fatigued yes. advocates become fatigued yes, we have to do. watch out for that too it's a it's not an easy thing we're all made up of uh, flesh and blood and minds and all those other things that uh, make us human beings and none of us are perfect and we do have to though i think to whether it's being proactive or reactive, we do have to hone our communication skills and have the ability to not only communicate what it is that we are feeling, mm-hmm. what it is we think that needs to be done. Yeah, but be part of the solution. Be part of the solution. You're not the solution. You yes. are part of the solution. Part of the solution. And to be part of the solution, you need a team and you need a community and you need professionals and you need individuals to help. Exactly. Great. Fantastic. You're listening to CIOE 97.5 FM Mental Health. Let's talk about it. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about accountability and how can you become part of the solution rather than being part of the problem. Welcome back. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm your host, Charlene Pickram, and we have Counselor Steve Craig in in the studio, and he covers District 15, which is all of Lower Sackville. 
And we've been talking about um, the spectrum of mental health and all the different issues that influence um, our individual mental health as well as our society's mental health. And so before we went on break, we were talking about reactive versus proactive interventions. And I think for the end, we're going to talk about what are some different strategies or interventions that we can engage in as individuals to improve mental health for ourselves and within our communities. So volunteering is obviously one of the strategies for assisting others. Um, we have peer, so one-on-one, -on -one, um, particularly if you have lived experience of a mental health um, disorder, you can certainly assist an, another individual if you're living well currently with your mental health. So what else do you have as different strategies or interventions, potentially, Steve, uh, for individuals to take up? Well, great question. And first thing I'd like to say is you have to know yourself and take care of yourself first. All right. So that's one of the things you have to do. Know where your, where your strengths lie and what you're able to do. Because there's nothing worse than being a volunteer, getting into something that you're absolutely passionate about and want to help others and you're not able to do that uh, for for your own personal reasons. So take care of your own mental health, your own physical health, your own spiritual health. Make sure that you are a well-grounded person as best you can and whether you have to go to the gym five times a week or whether you have to <laughs> go for a run, read a book, watch a movie to de-stress and to understand what's going on in your own life. Uh, I'd say that's number one before you can help others. You need to be able to help yourself and know yourself. Volunteering is, is a wonderful thing to do uh, because that's the, the ability, demonstrated ability to show interest in others. Yes. When you go and do that, you can uh, pick a cause. You, you can be a hockey coach. You can be a, a ringette coach. Uh, you can be a chess coach. You can be a table tennis coach. You can be a, a church coach. You can be anything you want. And to to make it best for the individuals involved. So understanding what it is that they too are looking to get out of this because if they are not fulfilled in what it is that they're looking for, mm -hmm. uh, then, then we're really not accomplishing much. In the case of mental health, if, if you have somebody who is, uh, has uh, mental disorder and uh, you can empathize with them because of your own experiences, and if that's helpful, do it. If mm -hmm. it's helpful to you, you may get something out of this as well. If it's helpful to you and you want to do it, do it, but do it to the best of your ability to help the other. If you help the other person and give them a sense of understanding of where they are, that all is not hopeless, or even to accept, to be able to accept the the status, the, the, the life you have, mm -hmm. if that's what needs to be done, grounded there. To be able to move further then realize too what it takes to do that and to help the people come to terms with that and to, to develop strategies to move forward and to get out of whatever the situation is. And this applies to just about anything you want to do. It doesn't matter what the topic is when it comes to helping others. But certainly know yourself and know what the others are looking to get out of it and know that you together can work and make that happen. When it comes to, let's say, team sports and individuals um, activities as well, you need to be able to recognize the signs of, of mental health weaknesses mm -hmm. and to be able to do that intervention. We talked about earlier being proactive. If you're on a sports team or if you're on any church group, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and if you recognize something is off, then take that first step to ask yeah. and ask it in such a way that it's not uh, offensive. It's it's opening. It's it's or welcoming. Judging. No mm -hmm. judging. No, no judging. judging. All, you know. Charlene, uh, hey, great today. What's going on? What's happening? Or, uh, or you know, I may be, I may be mistaken, but perhaps uh, you look like you're a little bit peaked there. Uh, something okay, or anything you want to talk about? Yeah. And just open it up. But never, never judge. Put it on yourself. So, I have uh, an issue when it comes to. Uh, judging and 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 do not do that and uh, I'll put something on myself 
I recognize something or I think something. Yes. Yeah. I Am I correct? This. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's putting it on you when it comes to helping others. So what can you do to help others is to understand, again, your strengths, to understand that uh, it's to be non-judgmental, and it's going to take time. You know, sometimes it will happen immediately where you get feedback and you're able to help somebody. Mm-hmm. Other times it's it's a relationship, a long-term relationship, a long-term being relative. But again, that genuine interest in others is what will pull you through. But take yeah. care of yourself, know yourself, acquire the skills that you need to, and also to ensure that whoever you're working with understands their role as well. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as you're working on self and you're moving forward, you are engaging in an intervention to deal with mental health. Yours. You're remaining healthy. Therefore, you don't have to rely on a caregiver, which takes resources from our society, and then therefore they can work somewhere else. And I just want to note that anybody who wants to volunteer can receive the mental health first aid free um, from the mental health uh, chapter. And so you can give them a call and sign up for that, and you can get your mental health certification for free. And um, I spoke to Star Cunningham, and she was the one that provided me with that information. So it's it's legit. Um, so, you know, it, it, and again, it is very important to have that awareness so that you know what, um, what signs and symptoms to potentially look for. Particularly with teens, it is so difficult um, with all the hormones and all everything that is occurring to really know what's happening unless you do like Steve said, and that's ask. Take the time in this so crazy, time-consuming world to slow it down and have a conversation. You could save somebody's life by taking 10 or 15 minutes and doing that. So I, I encourage you to do that. So do you have any final words to send us off on, Steve? There, there are no final words. Um, <laughs> the I guess the other thing, too, in understanding where people are coming from in that communication, appreciate that some people cannot articulate what it is they're feeling. Mm. And uh, either because they don't have the capacity to or they don't want to. And again, that's knowing yourself and knowing the situation to help. But if you really want to make a an, a difference in somebody else's life, show a genuine interest yeah. and uh, and be there. Be present and not looking at your watch, not... You know, so if you're going to make the commitment, go all in. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you again for joining us today, Steve. It's a real privilege to have you take the time. My pleasure. Thank you. And uh, on behalf of myself and my producer, Jim Francis, you're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it on CIOE 97.5 FM. Be well.